Hi, I'm Tony Russo, and this is A Bagel Manifesto, a show about belief, culture, and coming to terms with the fact that nobody really cares about bagels anymore. This week, I want to talk about J. Edgar Hoover. J. Edgar Hoover's Real Fetish. I'm back to reviewing books to jumpstart my writing. My first review for the New York Journal of Books was The Gospel of J. Edgar Hoover, How the FBI Aided and Abetted the Rise of White Christian Nationalism by Lerone A. Martin, which came out earlier this month. I can't recommend it highly enough, the book that is, unless your outrage meter is too close to peaking. You can read my real review in the show notes. I'll have a link to it. I avoided questions about Hoover's sexuality in the review for two reasons. First, I couldn't squeeze everything I had to say into the allotted words and also tease it out sufficiently. Second, I wanted to talk about it here. In an American political history filled with deplorable acts perpetrated by soulless monsters, both elected and appointed, Hoover stands out as among the most awful both for his tireless work supporting institutional racism and general inequality, and the fact that he could abuse his office without consequence for the better part of the 20th century. And he did it by weaponizing religion. Every time a white supremacist law enforcement official is outed, I want you to know that they're an echo of the standards set by the FBI under Hoover. He built an overtly racist, misogynist, template for law enforcement and bolstered it with religion in a way that made it unassailable. There's just so much to tell. I guess that's why there's a book. But I want to share with you two revelations, one from the book and one about it. The first is the warrior monks. Hoover modeled the FBI special agent on the Jesuit priest. Modeled is probably too soft a term. For the first years of his directorship, FBI agents trained like Jesuits regardless of their Christian denomination. It should go without saying that if you weren't a Christian, you weren't in the FBI. In fact, if you weren't an enthusiastic practicing Christian, you couldn't be a special agent. Hoover was a Presbyterian, but he found the Catholic hierarchy, pageantry, and the Jesuit life in particular very attractive. Besides the expectation of physical prowess and intellectual superiority, the church had groomed Jesuits to be independent thinkers. Independent might be a bit of a stretch, but since they were missionaries far flung afield with little or no contact from the church, they learned to trust their faith in God above even the rules of the church, and the church empowered them to do right regardless of any man's law. For the first 1,700 years of Christianity, the prevailing understanding about missions was that God wanted recalcitrant unbelievers dead. Killing Jews, Muslims, and heretics, including Christians who weren't in lockstep, was a duty. The right must prevail at all costs. Hoover thought this was just a swell way to run a national police force. And I'll tell you what, many of us kind of agree with him, whether we want to admit it or not. Think of any rogue cop action movie. What makes it compelling is that the cop is willing to trade some part of the law he's supposed to enforce for the greater good, which is catching and punishing the bad guy, often by throwing him off of a building. Usually in these movies, though, the filmmakers have set it up that any reasonable person would say, 
yeah, you probably should throw that guy off a building. But is that really the way that we want all law enforcement run? Hoover thought so, and most of America did with him for most of the 20th century. He empowered, encouraged, and at times even ordered special agents to consider their immortal souls and their responsibility to their Redeemer above their oath to uphold the law. In the book, Martin lays out such damning evidence about this, much of it in Hoover's own hand, that if there were no other evidence about this white Christian nationalist mission, the FBI was still a disgrace. That he did it openly and with impunity only underscores that no one in public office cares a whit for justice or equity. Hoover was keeping the blacks and the communists, which is a word to describe all non-white supremacists, in check. He was arbitrarily ruining thousands of lives, and every national elected official was happy to let him do it, too cowardly to stop him, or some combination of the two. In case you're wondering, to this day, fewer than 5% of special agents are either black or women. The gay problem. I don't care enough to know. But for some reason, there seems to be an almost an apologetics for Hoover's sexuality. A quick Google search claimed that he was a bisexual and a, quote, failed heterosexual, unquote. I don't know what a failed heterosexual means. I can't believe that that's still the kind of description that people would use. And I don't know if it's some sort of euphemism for repressed homosexual, but it's really probably not even worth talking about. I had wanted Martin to lay Hoover's traitorous career at the feet of his repression, maybe even to make the case that Christian homophobic mania drove the director to undermine the notion of religious liberty in America. Early in my reading, though, I came to understand that Hoover's crusade had nothing to do with his sexuality and everything to do with his Christianity. The history of Western civilization is the story of Christianity subsuming public life, being weaponized by the power mad to justify violating the laws of man or rewriting the laws of man to conform with their very narrow understanding of what makes their God happy. Hoover's sexuality may have informed his strict body-shaming regimen for his special agents, but his crusade against blacks women, and liberals was a function of his Christianity. In fact, it's unclear that his repression, if there were any, mattered at all. FBI higher-ups and most of his ecumenical allies understood Hoover's Sundays with Special Agent Tolson were sacrosanct, and they knew that the pair vacation together regularly starting with Catholics, moving through mainline Protestants, and eventually into the evangelical world, every holy roller ignored questions about Hoover's private life. Their reward was the immense political power that they still wield today. As a regular contributor and likely savior of the magazine Christianity Today, Hoover could spread his white Christian nationalist agenda across denominational lines in a way very few have succeeded in doing since. Religious leaders across the spectrum quoted Hoover's Christianity Today editorials every Sunday as evidence that the government wanted Christians to work unceasingly toward a nation that their God wanted, indeed, that God felt was his due and their responsibility.
the convenient fact that not one of them considered which Christianity God wanted in the end was secondary. They all agreed that God wanted white men who weren't afraid to follow their hearts in charge. After all, as long as they unite against a common enemy with God on their side, who could stand against them? So, what do you think? I'm the only one who's been talking for a while, but I would love to hear your take on this. You can email me by Tony Russo at gmail.com or you can reach me on socials at by Tony Russo on all of them. You can also comment on abagelmanifesto.com where you can sign up for the newsletter and check out the different things that I'm doing. I've rebooted several of my websites, including one devoted to Sherry Schreiner and the Lizard Conspiracy that I'll be updating regularly. If you want to check any of that out, you can do that by subscribing at abagelmanifesto.com. You can also find links to everything that I write at bytonyrusso.com. But that's really all I have this week. So other than that, keep the faith.